0: Your your hair is looking good, dapper. Thank you. Your beard too.
1: It needs a cut. My hair needs cutting. I think a bit. Oh. How
0: how was the eating, by the way? Like how was it? Because our, our friend I got it here. He was like it was everything just was like eating a piece of paper. Yeah, there was probably well being a piece of paper.
1: My <laughs> my smell went earlier, and then there was a, probably about a two, probably about a three or four day period where my taste and my smell had both gone. And that was pretty rubbish because I'd just eat an apple and it would just be like nothing in my mouth. It was horrible. Um, and then, but that can yeah. last for months. So I'm pretty glad my taste and then my smell both came back uh, the other day. So yeah, I haven't had a really bad case of that, which is good because yeah, it was pretty. It was pretty crap. Not I was like spraying aftershave on my uh, <laughs> wrist and going like. <sighs> and really try it. and I was like I can't smell it it's so it's a very weird it's a really weird um feeling to to know that something can smell it smells like mm. i know that aftershave is a strong smell and i was like burying my nose yeah. in it and it was just nothing was coming through uh yeah it was weird
0: that sounds insane mm. and not fun
1: no but for some people it lasts ages and ages and for me it lasted like Five, six days, so not too bad.
0: Yeah, but your cough seems to have gone.
1: Yeah, pretty much. It's still there a bit. I'll definitely be coughing a bit today because I'll be talking more than I have been. But uh, it's definitely gone. It's not like it was. It got really bad, which is why I took the test that showed that I had COVID. Because there was a day where it had like changed to a drier cough and was more persistent. And I was like, oh, there's something's not right about this. So I took a test and yeah.
0: That's horrible, the swab, the nose swab. I was like
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't like it at all. No. Yeah. Sticking it in your no, throat and then sticking teeth. up your nose and stuff.
0: Oh so. uh, the same one.
1: Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's no. how they do it. You you swab you rub it on your tonsils and no. then you take it out and then you put it up your nose.
0: <clears throat> that's like proper torture.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was it was really shit. Um anyway, let's stop talking about curving now. Let's talk about Okay. Uh, pop culture. Yeah. Are you ready?
0: I am always ready.
1: What episode are we on now? 38? 38, that's, G. That's mad. Two
0: friends just made a podcast. Two good friends just made a podcast. Two friends just made a podcast. It's called Culture Bucket. Just
1: need a just need a Bucket, so <clears throat> Hi everyone. Welcome back to uh, the Culture Bucket Podcast. <clears throat> it's, Sorry. We've been away. Sorry. We've been away for a bit. No, we haven't. We're back. Uh you heard us last week, or whatever. Uh this is episode 38, which is Um, top five coming of age films and it's hot on the heels of our uh, Sound of Metal special which I hope everyone enjoyed. Uh, Please let us know your thoughts on that and um, today we're going to be talking about coming of age movies and catching up on some culture and we haven't recorded a culture catch up in a while so we're going to have uh, probably plenty of big cool things to talk about which is great but I can't do it on my own so I'm joined as always by my co-host Alex. Hi,
0: Hi, George. Hi, everyone. How are you, George?
1: I'm good. Uh, I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> um, I have just recovered from having COVID-19, which was not good. But now I feel better. I've lost my cough, my smell and taste are back. So all is well, sort of, pretty much. Yeah. I haven't tested the limits You're looking of my beautiful. thank you. I haven't tested the limits of how much energy I've got yet, but I'm I'm hoping I feel I feel like I should be able to operate as normal, which is good. Uh so so that means we can record some podcasts.
0: Yeah. 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 You know, if, if if George says something weird today, blame the COVID, don't blame George.
1: Yeah, well that's more that'll be more a result of the isolation rather than the uh, the COVID. It's it's been a weird I'm right at the end of my uh, 11 days or so of, um, of uh, not going outside, so I have gone a bit insane, but never mind, we'll get there. How are you? I'm good,
0: I'm good. I'm on, on holiday, which is fantastic. Uh, not much to do because, you know, COVID is still around, but a little bit more freedom. And yeah, it's all
1: Good. Good. Okay, let's get into some Culture Catch-Up. This is Culture Catch-Up Time. This is where we talk about what we've watched, what we've read,
0: what we've listened to, and probably some other stuff. Culture Catch-Up Time. So, I'm starting this week.
1: Woo-hoo. Yes, you are.
0: Very good. So, I'm going to talk about a series, a few films, and... um. A uh, new album release. Uh so let's start from this series. Uh well first of all the new season of Working Mums is out. Uh have you started watching it?
1: Yeah I've watched uh f- oh three episodes I think. I've watched three episodes. Mm. So not all of it but I've started. Yeah.
0: Yeah I've watched <coughs> about maybe four four episodes and I'm enjoying it. I think is good. Um yeah Maybe it's not as good as it used to be, but I think is up there. It's a good, still a good series. I think. Yeah. What do you
1: think? Um, cool. probably it's it's kind of it's split the characters apart a bit, hasn't it? In this season, because it's moved Anne and her family to another part of Canada. Mm. Um, and the yeah. first three episodes have really focused on uh, Anne and her family. The first episode is pretty much just about her, and then. It's gone a bit into Kate, uh, Catherine Reitman's character, but it hasn't really looked at the yeah. other main characters yet, as far as I've seen. So the focus mm. has been a bit um, different. But it's been... I've enjoyed what I've watched of it. It's good.
0: Yeah, I think the focus has been different because of COVID. I think that's what it's been.
1: Yeah, I think. it was a bit weird, though, because the, 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 the first episode opens with them realising they're going to have to isolate because of COVID. Yeah. But then it kind of skips out to August, of presumably twenty twenty. And then it acts yeah. as if COVID doesn't exist anymore. It's quite strange.
0: I know. I was I was freaked out. I was like, where are the masks? Where are the where, where is the distance? Yeah. But then I forgot about it. Uh yeah. It's odd though. Um, it's
1: like it's saying an alternate world where COVID was a problem for like four months and then we just Yeah. But dealt with it, which would have been lovely, but isn't quite accurate. But never mind. No, not at all. <laughs> No. Not
0: at all because uh, you know it's a uh, summer 2021 and you've just had COVID, so uh, it's not yeah. a problem that's gone. Unless unless Canada hasn't been
1: t- t- unless Canada hasn't been honest with us, and this is how they they only had to. Maybe Canada's fine. Maybe Canada is fine. Maybe Canada's well, like, trying to tell places us places
0: like something. Australia and uh, China are now fine and New Zealand. So I think you know New Zealand is fine. I've seen people up clubs in New Zealand having. Like, living a normal life. Yeah. So, maybe that's how it's going in Canada.
1: Maybe. I mean, they are right next to America, which definitely hasn't, uh, you know, <laughs> gotten over it. So, we'll see. Or, you yeah. know, the United States of we'll America. We'll see. It, it's all in North America, isn't it? Anyway.
0: Yeah. Uh, But, yeah, so that's a good season to watch. And then, new season of RuPaul's Drag Race All-Stars Season 6 is out. Every Thursday, check it out. Uh, uh, All Star- Do you know what All Stars is, um, George, when it comes to RuPaul? I
1: assume it's like pre- previous contestants that were popular coming back to compete against each other.
0: They are amazing. Yeah. You know everything. Cool. So, yeah, that's what it is. And some good contestants have come back. It's a good season. If you haven't started watching RuPaul's, just watch RuPaul's Drag Race. It's really good. It's fun. It's campy. It's great. Well, now let's go to a season that I've actually watched and finished, and is a TV series called Feel
1: Good. Do you know Feel Good? Feel Good. No, I've not heard of that. It's
0: it's it's written by uh, May Martin.
1: Oh 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 oh! Is this? The, it's got Charlotte Ritchie and Lisa Kudrow in it.
0: Yes, so it's it's written by May martin and Joe Hampson uh, season two uh has come out uh the series stars um May martin as May a Canadian comedian that uh, works in the UK uh, Mm -hmm. which is kind of autobiographical and I think there are quite a few autobiographical things uh, throughout the series Um, and uh, um, she uh, meets George uh, played by Charlotte Ritchie uh, in a club uh, after uh, she has done uh, a gig and uh, the two start a relationship Uh, George has never been with a girl so so she's kind of uh treading on new territory um we discover that uh, may has uh, suffers from addiction or has have su- has suffered from addiction and right. uh, so the first se- season kind of uh Uh, explores their relationship Mm -hmm. and um, May becoming a little bit obsessed and addicted to uh, George and the idea of George and also uh, May uh, wanting Mm -hmm. George to uh, treat her as her girlfriend and uh, George um, not really being able to open up to her friends to say that she's in a relationship with Mm -hmm. another woman and the first season you also meet uh, May's parents which are played by lisa kudrow and uh, adrian lurkis which are fantastic uh they're great uh they're great people for the parents and you kind of f- figure out why may is a little bit the way she is and also um george's um housemate played by phil burgers or burgess uh is uh, really fun so the first season kind of explores their relationship and at the end of the first season, uh, May has, well, by the end of the first season, May has uh, relapsed and so her parents take her back to Canada uh, to, uh, to rehab. Uh so the second season uh starts uh, with May in rehab and um there's a new character that comes in which is uh May's good friend from Canada uh that uh helps her kind of escape rehab and um and uh May starts kind of uh well by by the first season May and uh George have broken up and so the second season is about um May uh dealing with her new fame in the UK and uh, George uh, discovering new things about herself and her sexuality. And also they get back together and they kind of uh, works, uh, they kind of fall in love more in the second season. Um, We find out that May uh, suffers from uh, PTSD and she is... uh, um, Mm. maybe uh trying to figure out also what what she is if she's becoming a they or if they if they're becoming a they and uh, exploring also her um her being non-binary so it's kind of the second season is kind of an exploration uh, finding out more why Bay is the way she is and uh, also um George and may uh rich Reaching, um, you know, something like, you know, falling more in love with each other, and uh, the the ending scene is spectacular. Uh, what I, I really enjoyed, uh, I really enjoyed the second season. I thought it was really good. You see more of Lisa Kudrow and Adrian lurkis which is really good. Cool, good. It's a good season. Yeah, you haven't watched any of it, have you?
1: No, it keeps popping up on my Netflix. Um, and I like Charlotte Ritchie so. I was- looking at it but uh no haven't got to it yet
0: Mm. i i think it's definitely something that it is good to watch just to kind of you know i don't know it's good i like it very much and then let's go to films i watched a new pixar uh, film called luca i think you watched it too i did <clears throat> you have watched it too, and uh, Luca is the new uh, Pixar uh, animation film. And today we're going to talk about coming of age films. And I watched a uh, new coming of age film, oh, oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. and uh, produced, which was released this year. You can find it on Disney Plus if you have it, and um, is uh, directed by Enrico Casarosa. So I think that's why it's. Um, it's set in Italy, mm-hmm. so um, and uh, it's about uh, Luca Paguro, the one of the main characters, and he's a young sea monster, and he lives off uh, the coast of uh, this uh, fictional Italian city. I think it's fictional. Yeah. I never heard of Porto Rosso, or this Italian city called Porto Rosso. And he, I think he comes from a, I think he's a farmer or something, because he has goatfish.
1: Yeah, he has <laughs> I these the sort of fish thing. that he herds around, so some sort of farmer.
0: Yeah, and they're really cute, because also they uh, they, they look like goats. And um, <laughs> he is scared. Excuse me. Bless you. Sorry. And uh, he's, uh, he's a classic thing that he would love to uh, explore the world. However, he is forbidden by his parents to approach the surface. And, you know, because he is a, is a sea monster and sea monsters are not really liked in these seaside towns. Oh. And um, one day uh, Luca meets, meets Alberto Scorfano, uh, who is another sea monster. and um, <laughs> He follows him uh up to the surface because he's interested, and you find out that when the sea monsters are dry, they become humans. Yeah. Is that a spoiler?
1: No. No, definitely not. It's the plot of the film. It's like the inside. It's the plot into... of the
0: film. Very good. It's not the ending. And then so um Alberto and Luca become really good friends and uh they want to, you know, have uh a fun time together. So uh, they decide to uh, go, well, they fall in love with the Vespa. They they, they have, um, Alberto ha- lives in this turret and he's got this Vespa poster and the dream of these boys is to own a Vespa and to travel the world on a Vespa. I love their prototypes of Vespas. They are pretty cool. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Because uh, um, Luca's parents will not, Allow him to go to the surface. Luca and Alberto run off and they're going to live in the town of uh, Porto Rosso. Uh, and uh, soon uh, they discover that they can find Vespers and how to get them. Uh, but also they discover that uh, the town of Porto Rosso might not be very friendly towards um, sea monsters. No, they don't in like fact, them at all. they they don't like them at all, which I that I didn't really understand why, but I guess nobody likes sea monsters. I guess it's You're just it's going to be that
1: like over the years they've clashed with them in the in the seas because they've got all those uh, murals and statues of them fighting sea monsters mm. in the ocean, haven't they? So I think they're just meant to like it's just the way that people are scared of outsiders and things they don't understand. It's probably I think it's a bit of a commentary on that.
0: Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, but uh, yes. Yeah, so um, they um to win the money for a v- uh, to get the money for a Vespa, they find out from a girl they meet uh, called uh, Julia, uh, that there is a competition where they can win some money. You're not really sure how much money because at one point they show a a, a picture of a Vespa and nine thousand lira, but nine thousand lira is like four pounds fifty. Yeah. Or five euro. So it's like, oh, that's a very cheap Vespa, but good, good on that. And uh together, uh Julia, Luca, and Alberto um start training for this competition, which has got the one of the best. So it's like a triathlon. Uh, and one of the competition one of the tasks is to eat like a plate of pasta, <laughs> which is lovely. Um and then, of course, because it's a Disney film, the three have a little bit of a turmoil, uh, but then they compete uh, and they win and everything is fun. I don't want to give too many spoilers. What do you think?
1: That's Yeah, that's pretty, pretty good.
0: <laughs> I thought it was hilarious that it started with these two fishermen speaking English with an Italian accent. It's like, <laughs> just it's like okay um you know me and the things you could could at least pull it. but there are some words in italian throughout the film yeah which is pretty cool and it is a children's um, film it is a children's film and so i i i forgave it pretty quickly Good. um it's beautiful to watch it's really really nice i think it's got a lot of as uh, watching as an adult i think it's got lots of messages uh of like Mm, you know, friendship and not being scared of the unknown. I don't know, the friendship between the three kids seemed to be, be more like of support and love mm. and um, the, the friendship between Luca and Alberto is really sweet and yeah. really different from other male and male friendship. And I think it's good to see that you can love a boy like that. I think there's a stigma between boys loving boys in a genuinely loving way. And I think if the stigma goes away, I think it's quite nice to see. I think that's my opinion. I thought that was a really lovely kind of film to watch for that reason. Yeah, the
1: relationship between them is very sweet and pure, I think, Yeah, and nice. Yeah, Yeah, definitely.
0: Yeah. Which, at that age, I think maybe... Boys have the pressure to not have that.
1: Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah, definitely, definitely. I think yeah,
0: because yeah. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. Uh, so what 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 did you think of the film?
1: Yeah, I really I liked it. I really liked the you know sort of um Italian Riviera aesthetic of the film. I thought Pixar brought it to life mm. really beautifully. The animation's amazing. I mean the the scenes where they're eating pasta. The pasta looks like nicer than real life pasta, almost. Yeah. It looked incredible. Yeah. Uh, all of the food. Um, and yeah, so I thought that was amazing. I think they're like, they continue to uh, improve their animation quality with each release, I think, Pixar, which is in- uh, incredible. And then I realized that it's a very sweet, um, mm. low key story for Pixar. The last film they did was Soul, which is this big kind of meditation on on life and death and what's next and all of these things. And it was quite nice to see a story about two sea monsters growing up and learning about the world and having that be enough for a film. So, yeah, no, I really, really liked it. It was great. And um, it was nice. It just sort of turned up on Disney Plus and you could just watch it without uh, having to pay extra money or anything like that. It was just a, Mm. a fun treat. Um so yeah Luca was definitely a recommend for me.
0: Definitely. It's uh really really good. Cool. And uh yeah and then I watched uh a film that it was uh the first film was in my top um 90s <coughs> films cool. which was uh coming to America. Oh yeah. And I watched uh, Coming to America. Oh,
1: yeah, the new one, the sequel.
0: <laughs> the new one. Uh, and the new one uh, uh, is... Uh, oh, I forgot to say, just a second, who, who is in Luca? What a star-studded cast.
1: Yeah, 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 it did have a good cast. Do you cast. think it's
0: important if I say?
1: Hmm? Yeah, Jacob Tremblay voices Luca. He's really good. Maya Rudolph voices Luca's mum. Jim Gaffigan voices his dad yeah Sasha Baron Cohen voices the uncle and but doesn't need to be in the film at all no
0: why is he in the film no, it's like, very it weird. so pointless it's a
1: non-character that yeah. bit yeah
0: um, it's always nice to see Maya Rudolph I, I love having her in films yeah
1: she's cool she's good so coming to America
0: Coming to America. So uh, so the first one was about Prince Akeem wanting to find a wife in America and he has f- found his wife and um, so the num- number two coming to America is set in Zamunda. King Jaffe Joffer, uh, who is Prince Akeem's dad, is about to die and so uh, Prince Akeem is going to become King Akeem. But... Uh, King Akeem has got three daughters. And as we know, if you're a woman, you cannot be a queen and rule a country. I guess. Uh, And so um, they embark on... So they find out that uh, Prince Akeem, when he was in the United States, he had sex with this woman and made a child. So uh, King Akeem goes back to America uh, and finds... um, finds uh, Lavelle Johnson, who is his son, brings him back to Zamunda to become king. Uh, But, uh, you know, it's not really fair on his uh, oldest, eldest daughter. Uh, Lavelle Johnson doesn't really feel like he um, fits in the society, although at the beginning he finds it amazing. Then he finds himself trapped uh, in... uh, in becoming the king that he never wanted to be and um, he falls in love also he's supposed to marry uh, this woman uh, but he falls in love with his I think hairstylist and so he goes back to America uh, to uh, marry his hairstylist and then um, Prince Akeem which is also King Akeem now uh, realises that all he wanted when he left for America is to find a wife and uh, and to be his own person and to revolutionize the monarchy. And now he's imposing uh, old ways onto his new son. And uh, so he goes, everything is fine. His daughter becomes the queen, blah, 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 blah. So I've heard really bad reviews about this film. Yeah. However, what I uh, so first of all, I really enjoyed it. Oh, good. the The plot is a little bit the is a bit predictable and is a bit strange and is weird that you would just find this guy and make him king even if you haven't even done a paternity test and whatever. And is a bit, you know, uh, it just portrays Africa as like. Everybody lives in between lions and there's palaces and it's a bit like that. But the cast that was in the first one 20 years ago, no, 30 years ago is back. So we have Eddie Murphy who plays... Prince Akeem, senior Hall, uh, then uh, Shari Hidley, who he married in the first one, she's back. Um, there is a James O. Jones is in it, has his father. Uh, John Amos, which is uh, his uh, father-in-law, he's back. Um, lots of people have come back for this film to do it again. And I really like that because they were not lazy with it. So there's some scenes where they go, uh, they they have a flashback in the past and uh, there is a scene where they're in a club and he's trying to find, in, in the first one, uh, there is a scene in the club where they're trying to find a wife for, um, uh, well, for Prince Akeem. And then what they did with, the scene was the same as the film. And then what they did is, prolonged that scene by digitally changing their faces and showing the one nice stand that he had it's like I just really I thought it was really clever so although it's not a great plot and you know it's a bit uh I thought it wasn't lazy and that's what I appreciated about it I thought it still had the silly humour and it it had the same character. So there was continuation. And um, for example, in the first film, Prince Akeem didn't want to marry uh, this woman. He was arranged to marry and um, she comes back and one of the scenes is like, oh, you have to woof like a dog. And she comes back woofing like a dog. Like if you watch the first one and you love the first one, I think you can, I don't know, I felt that it was good. Yeah. Um also Wesley Snipes is in it, uh Leslie Jones and Tracy Morgan are in it. Um I just thought, I just thought it was it was it wasn't bad. Like it's not an Oscar film, but if you want to spend an afternoon watching something that you watched a million times but, you know, set in 2020, I think it's pretty cool. It's not it's not too bad.
1: I'm glad. That's good. Uh that's surprising yeah. because uh yeah, like you said, it's pretty much gotten Terrible reviews.
0: But that's the thing. I think people have watched it as... F- I, I, I don't know. Coming to American 1, coming to America, the first Coming to America, I thought it was silly enough and had... And it was, it was a silly film, but really good. And I think this is as silly and, you know, maybe not as good But it's executed really well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, because they could have easily just not got all the cast back and just made a really, you know, lazy attempt. But I don't think there's anything lazy about this film. And I don't understand why they got such bad reviews.
1: Interesting.
0: Because I'm the biggest, like, you know, if, if a film is... I don't know. Like, for example, I love Indiana Jones, but Indiana Jones 4 is the biggest pile of crap ever.
1: <laughs> yeah, is it, it
0: is. Indiana Jones 4?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. In yeah, the Kingdom of the Crystal I'm Square. sorry.
0: Yeah, and it's just like, there's nothing that you go, oh, it's, there's nothing nostalgic about it. And it's terrible and it's lazy. But this has made a, a, an effort to bring back the characters, have a continuation, make it good, and yeah it's not offense and that's the thing like if it, it feels like people are like and ehm, again it's rubbish it's like go go away you you have no joy in your life <laughs> uh, but yeah so it wasn't as bad as people said in my opinion then if you didn't enjoy it then that's okay and then the last film i want to talk about is a film released uh last year was it last year yeah, uh, in twenty twenty, um, directed by Judd Apatow, which I love, and is called The King of Staten Island. Oh, okay. Yeah, I I I had no interest in watching this film no. because I, I'm not really a fan of Pete Davidson. Who is like idiots. I don't really,
1: eh? Nothing. Go, Go on.
0: I'm not, I'm not really a fan, but I, I've, I've grown to like him now. I, I've, there's more depth to his character than I thought. And after this film and after this performance and kind of watching other things of him, I think I, think I didn't give enough time to him or didn't. Yeah, I don't know. But um, so the film is, um, it stars Pete Davidson, Marisa Tomei. Anything with Marisa Tomei is top notch uh bill bar um Maud Apatow which is uh Jude Apatow's daughter all right uh Steve Buscemi which I thought it was a so I was like what is in it I didn't I, I watched <coughs> it because I I fancied watching it I didn't even like research on what it was and um yeah and it's about uh Scott Carlin, who is uh a stoner, he's a bit aimless and a bit uh pfft. He doesn't really know what, what to do and he wants to become a tattoo artist, but he doesn't really have the means or the courage or the drive uh, to do it. Um, his um, He's been kind of stuck uh, since his father died in an, um, in an accident during duty. His father was a firefighter and his mother has been single since his father has died um and then uh, things switch a little bit and change uh and his sister moves out to go to college and uh one day he uh starts tattooing a kid (laughs) in a park uh and um (laughs) <laughs> the next day, the father of the kid comes to the door and he's really angry and uh, this played by Bill Barr and um, Marisa Tomei, uh, his mother, uh, opens the door and Bill Barr and Marisa Tomei start uh, dating. Uh, we find out that uh, Bill Barr is also a firefighter, so it's a bit, um, a little bit too, maybe traumatic. Uh, because his father died in the same thing. Mm. Uh, and so he kind of starts playing up a little bit like a kid because he hasn't really grown up um and he starts being obnoxious and ridiculous but then also Bill Barr starts being obnoxious and ridiculous um and uh he's just it's just a person that doesn't really want to grow up and uh, has a girlfriend that is not his girlfriend uh, but he is his girlfriend and he just doesn't... He just doesn't know. It's a it's a slice of life film, so there's a lot of stuff happening and there's not much happening. Right. And uh, in the end, um, he kind of um, realizes that maybe he's wasting his time and maybe he needs to start growing up a little bit and uh, taking control of his actions and not blaming things in the past, uh, like his father's death and his sister leaving, etc, cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, like I said before, I never really enjoyed I never really gave attention to Pete Davidson. I didn't really care I didn't really have an opinion but i thought i thought it was really this film kind of really shows a true talent of his. I think he's really really good a really good actor and um he's um is' kind of not autobiographical but he's um his Pete Davidson's father actually died uh in as a, it was a firefighter and died um in an accident um uh, during 911 I think it was in not in the I don't think it was actually in the towers but it was um near and so it must have been quite hard to try and relive that as well mm-hmm. and put it into film he suffers from kind of like anxiety and depression so you kind of you know, I think he kind of portrayed like a, a kind of vulnerable side of himself in this film. Um, Marisa Tomei, of course, is amazing in everything she, she does. I can't believe she only plays the mum and the aunt now. Yeah. <laughs> like, just put on something better. Yeah. <clears throat> uh, Bill Barr is really good. He's always good. Um, and then uh, Steve Buscemi is in it, which is Crazy, um, he's old now, which is also crazy. But he used to, he was a firefighter for a little bit of time in his life, yeah. so uh, it's pretty sweet that they got him in. But um, yeah, I I enjoyed it. I thought it was good. Um, it's a slice of life. It was supposed to be two hours and fifty five minutes, but uh, the studio said it was too long.
1: Good. Uh,
0: so now it's about a bit more longer than two hours, but <clears throat> maybe. That that amount of time they cut maybe was necessary to give a little bit more meaning to the film. Yeah, I felt like the film was good, but I think it needed a little bit more substance. But I I I sense a uh, uh, dislike for Pete Davidson.
1: Yeah, I don't like him, and I'm not going to watch the King of Staten Island Vanity Project. But okay. I'm glad you liked it.
0: Uh, vanity Project.
1: Well. It's just a film about him. But is it? Yeah, because he's all covered in tattoos, and he is a tattoo artist in real life. And <clears throat> I don't like Judd Apatow comedies very much, and I don't like Pete Davidson, oh, okay. so I'm not. I, I just find okay. them all a bit self indulgent.
0: Yeah, I think sometimes you're too harsh on people. Maybe
1: judge, like you're really. Harsh. But uh, he's. Cause it's I'm like, not taking away uh, his career. He's hmm. well. He's still got it.
0: And the last thing uh, that I'm going to talk about is an album. Uh, a few weeks ago, I spoke about uh, Marina Diamandis, uh, who is former Marina and the Diamonds, but now she's just Marina. Mm-hmm. And I said I was listening. I listened to her uh, latest release Um singles and the album before this one that has just come out on the 11th of June and I really enjoyed the singles so um I uh I was looking forward to listening to the album and um it's called Ancient Dreams in a Modern Land and it's kind of a pop electro pop dance pop 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 uh, uh, classic marina uh, style with her beautiful uh, deep warm voice and um is uh it's uh it's i really enjoyed it is about a lot of like uh women and lgbtq individual through history uh it's uh really interesting and good fun album uh, there's a line that every time that she sings i keep singing i keep singing which is um i think it's in uh, maybe man's world in a song um she says uh, once upon a time you called us uh, witches but now uh, you call us bitches which i thought it was perfect uh and uh, she lives in america so there's a song of called the new america and how you know she uh she perceives america to be i think is a really good album and uh definitely a recommendation from me from uh, marina for marina
1: cool that's cool
0: yeah yeah and that's it for my culture catch-up some films an album a series some uh not-so-popular films that I enjoyed.
1: Yeah, but that's good. That's that's good to have dissenting opinions on here. Different opinions.
0: Yeah.
1: <clears throat> yeah. Yeah, man. Yeah. Cool, good stuff. What have you
0: been up to? Uh,
1: during my isolation period, I've watched uh, about six seasons of Friends, so that's been fun.
0: Yeah! Yeah.
1: yeah. Um, I like I like that show a lot more than I liked the reunion of that show, if that makes sense. Yeah, but I'm glad that reunion came around so that it um, encouraged me to go back and rewatch uh, Friends because it's pretty funny and pretty good when you sort of need something to watch that's nice and calming and relaxing. Um, mm-hmm. And I've watched a lot of A Touch of Frost, <laughs> but I've talked about that <laughs> before on the podcast, so we won't get into that again. Um, So I've got a few films to talk about mainly today uh, that I've watched over the past month or so uh, since we last did a culture catch-up, starting with A Quiet Place Part 2. Ooh. Yeah, A Quiet Place Part 2, the sequel to A Quiet Place, um, written and directed by John Krasinski and starring uh, Emily Blunt, along with John Krasinski, and uh, in the sequel, Cillian Murphy and... The wonderful Millicent Simmons, um, who plays their daughter. Uh, Emily Blunt's daughter. Uh so yeah, you like the first film, Alex, right?
0: Yeah, <clears throat> yeah, I really enjoy the first film.
1: So the the second film was due to come out um like last March, like just before or just after COVID hit and all of those things, uh, that film was due out. It was on the sides of buses in the UK and stuff, it was it was kind of on the way. And then um, when everyone had to go into lockdown, they pushed back the release of the film <clears throat> by like a full year. Uh, so it was a bit of a... It was a big delay. Um, but I'm glad that they did it because it was a great experience being able to go and see this in a cinema. Um, the sequel picks up right where the first one ends. Uh, so small spoilers for A Quiet Place, but one if you've not seen it. Um, uh, the dad has sacrificed himself to protect the rest of the family who have discovered that the um earpiece he's been making for his daughter who is deaf uh, can affect the alien menace and uh, the monsters and immobilize them and allow them to be uh, killed and the first film ends just as that revelation comes into play and then the second film opens with them uh, realizing that they have to go out and try and find people in the world um Although actually the, f- the film opens with this amazing flashback sequence showing the first day that these monsters arrived, uh, giving John Krasinski an opportunity to come back and be in it again for 10 or 15 minutes at the start to show uh, how it all kind of kicked off, which is an amazing kind of action sequence, this uh, high street in this town just suddenly becoming this centre of absolute panic and mayhem as people try to work out what's going on. Uh, and then it cuts and, and it goes to kind of present timeline of the film. Uh, It introduces uh, Emmett, played by Killian Murphy, uh, who they end up uh, having to take shelter with. And then a big chunk of the movie splits the characters up and leaves Emily Blunt and the son uh, at at this sort of home base area to try and keep things ticking over there, while um, Regan, the daughter, heads off with Emmett to try and... Um, they've found a radio signal and she wants to broadcast this signal that disrupts the monsters over the radio to try and give people a weapon which they can use to fight the monsters. And that's kind of like the journey of the movie is them attempting to, uh, to uh, pass this signal on so that the humanity can maybe g- be given a chance. Um, that sort of that sort of structure of mainly focusing on um a guy and a young girl who's not his daughter but they form a kind of father-daughter relationship is really 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 similar to the one uh between joel and ellie in the last of us and the last of us part two which you've heard me talk about Mm. uh, on the podcast before uh and there's this film seems to take a lot of inspiration if not directly, then there's something that both things take inspiration from because there's a lot of there's a lot of thematic similarities and just visual similarities between the Last of Us games and and this film in particular. Um, but that just served for me to kind of uh, improve it because I like that aesthetic, I like that kind of apocalyptic thing, that relationship of the of the guy and the uh, and the girl, learning to uh, work together. It's really good. Uh, The actors are really good in it. And, yeah, I really enjoyed it. I thought it was a sequel that was exactly as good as the original, which is really, really unusual, particularly for a horror movie. Um, And, yeah, it was brilliant. So, yeah, Quiet Place Part 2 is a big recommendation. I thought it was wonderful. Um, Awesome. And they've said that they're going to do a spin-off in the future, which I think is going to look more specifically at what is happening in this world and why these monsters are attacking and stuff. That might be an interesting thing. And then hopefully they'll mm. do a part three. Um, I'm i I'm sure it leaves it open for, for there to be more parts. So, yeah, Quiet Place Part 2 was cool. And then after that, I saw, again in the cinema, uh, the new film uh, directed by Ilya Naishula and starring Bob Odenkirk, Connie Nielsen, The Rizza. And Christopher Lloyd, Nobody. Uh, Nobody. Have you heard of Nobody, Alex?
0: No, I haven't. Nobody is
1: an action film starring Bob Odenkirk, who plays Saul Goodman, I'm better call Saul, an unlikely action star. Mm. Uh, And he is a kind of normal family man, uh, a nobody, if you will, who might be hiding a dark past where he was... um, a CIA agent. Um, so it's quite a simple action movie, really. He's going about his normal everyday life. Everyone thinks he's a, he's a sort of normal guy. He encounters some house intruders. Some people invade his house. He nearly takes them down, but realises he has to continue playing the part of a, of a nobody, so kind of lets them get away. And his son questions his manliness and his ability to protect the family, and he starts having all these doubts about the way he's living his life, and he ends up... Uh, attacking a bunch of um gangsters on a bus and uh gets the russian mafia on his back and has to spend the rest of the film fighting them off and showing that he is actually um much more uh, adept at fighting than you might have thought it's good it's 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 a pretty short film how long is it it's 90 minutes long so it's just about an hour and a half and it really does just like it it sets up the characters, it introduces the drama and the conflict, and then it just sets Bob Odenkirk loose on them. And the kind of the the thing that really makes it a great mo- and enjoyable movie is Bob Odenkirk fully committing to being a sort of Keanu Reeves style, Nicolas Cage style action hero. Because it's uh, a very odd thing to see that man uh, fighting a bus full of <laughs> um, uh, goons and uh, breaking noses and stuff. And yeah, it was. It's, it's a good film. I enjoyed it. It's fun. Um, I would recommend Nobody, for sure. Uh, if you like films like John Wick, for example, I think uh, Nobody's right up your street. And hopefully they'll make a sequel. I could definitely watch more of this. Hmm. So, yeah, that's Nobody. Then I watched a film on Shudder, the, the streaming service that uh, you can get through Amazon Prime Video. Uh, Which and it was quite an interesting film, so I thought I'd bring it up today. It's originally from 1973, and it's only about 50 minutes long, and it was directed by George A. Romero, who is the guy that made Night of the Living Dead and Dawn of the Dead and Day of the Dead and those kind of original big zombie films. Mm. In the 70s, he was commissioned by the Lutheran Church in Western Pennsylvania to make an educational film about elder abuse to bring to light... Uh, the issue of elder abuse, basically, and make people consider uh, being more supportive of the elderly. And he went out and made this 50 minute long surreal nightmare thing. Uh, and then he showed it to the church and they were like, oh, this isn't what we wanted at all. And they just buried it and hid it. And it's finally been uncovered today and um, should have, have kind of restored it into 4K and put it up on their uh, streaming service for people to watch. And it's this kind of lost George A. Romero film. And it's fascinating. It stars this actor called Lincoln Marzel, and the film opens with him as himself, wandering through this empty amusement park and explaining that what you're about to see is a, a sort of a public information film about older abuse and that you need to consider the kind of situations you see him getting into in the film are kind of meant to be representative of the sorts of situations elderly people can find themselves in uh, in everyday life and it's meant to make us empathise a bit with with them. And then it cuts Mm. to him going into this amusement park as a guy in a white suit and just kind of encountering all these quite strange scenarios from things like... um, going to rides where you can only go on the ride if you have if you pay a certain amount of tax or if you have a certain uh, annual salary or going to try and have some food somewhere and not being and you know being given a different menu because you're old and not being treated in the same way or going on the bumper cars and bumping into somebody and then having this big debate about whose fault it was uh about whose fault it was and it was clearly the younger person's fault but everyone's teaming up on the elderly person and accusing them of being their fault it's this uh, absolutely bizarre surreal nightmare and it is quite scary because it just keeps piling on these unpleasant situations that he's wandering through and as the film goes on he gets more and more kind of dirty and he starts he's wearing this white suit at the start of the film so you really see uh, his character kind of degrade over the course of the film and so the end is completely kind of beaten down um and it really does like it kind of works as what it was originally made for but i can understand why um a church in the 70s would have been reluctant to to show it publicly because it is it is more like a horror movie almost than it is but then they hired they hired a horror film director to make it it's a very strange project i'm not quite sure what they wanted what they expected him to do um but yeah it's 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 this odd historical document it's only 50 minutes long um and if you are interested in that kind of thing, I'd definitely recommend going on to Shudder and checking out the amusement park by George A. Romero. Um, yeah, it's 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 good, strange, weird thing. After that, okay. after that, uh, um, I got to see finally a movie that I've been really excited about for months and months and months. The new Ben Wheatley film, In the Earth. Uh, you've seen a couple of Ben Wheatley films now, Alex. Yeah. <laughs> so you know how uh, you never quite know what you're going to get necessarily when you sit down to watch a Ben Wheatley movie. Um, and this one, when you go to see it in the cinema, it pops up before the film starts with a warning that people with epilepsy may want to uh, avoid watching it because of the <laughs> there are flashing light imagery and stuff like that at the end of the film. And it definitely kind of makes full use of that warning um it stars Joel Fry Richie Smith Haley Squires um and t- 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 Laura Tortia they are main actors in it and it was written during the first lockdown last year and filmed in about 15 days during the first wave of COVID. Wow. And very much um, it opens with Joel Fry's character is a scientist. He turns up at this place in the woods, uh, this lodge where he is like um, disinfected and tested and they are talking about waves and they don't mention COVID specifically, but does it's very much set in a world that is experiencing some sort of pandemic And he's been sent to the forest to try and do some research uh, to discover um, ways of improving crop yields. I think is is the is the idea. So he stays one night in this lodge where he's been uh, tested and cleaned, and then he goes off into the woods with his guide Olmer, where they're going to try and get to this um, scientist uh, Olivia Wendell, who has who is conducting this research deep in the woods, and he's there to. assist her on the way um they they camp out for the night and they get in the middle of the night they get woken up and attacked and they don't know who's attacked them and they wake up the next morning all their gear's been taken and their socks and shoes have been stolen and um they they decide they have to push on and try and find this doctor and explain what's happened and uh, as they're going through the woods they encounter zach played by reish shearsmith Sh- uh who is Uh, a great actor from the League of Gentlemen who I'm a big fan of, and um, he claims he's going to help them and things sort of take a turn for the worse eventually and it all sort of spirals and spirals into this sort of surrealist... Nightmare in the woods. Like Ben Wheatley. Yeah, there's scenes of um
0: classic Ben Wheatley. There's scenes of mushrooms everything spirals just <laughs> out of control. Exactly.
1: In the classic Ben Wheatley way. There's scenes of mushrooms that suddenly start releasing spores and they all start hallucinating and you know you don't know what's real and what's wow. not real and it all just becomes this crazy science fiction, folk horror, um nightmare, dream world, and it's the best. It's just the best. Um Joel Fry, who has recently been very good as one of the henchmen in Cruella, is brilliant here in the lead role of Martin, and uh, the whole cast is actually really really good. Alaura Alaura Tortia as um, Alma. She's actually in. You you uh, have you seen Midsummer? You have seen Midsummer, haven't you? I have. She's the British girl in Midsummer who is part of that couple ah, okay. who leave kind of early on or disappear. Um, she's great in this. Yeah. She's really really good in this. Um, <laughs> ah, okay. And. Hayley Squires is the scientist when she finally turns up. The movie really takes a kind of turn into, again, being really strange. And she does a great job with her role. And the soundtrack is great. It's all these strange synthesizers. And I think the the guy who did the score um, somehow used the electrical signals from trees and stuff to help make the soundtrack. Like it's all very, um, you know, arty of that kind. But uh, I liked it. And yeah, it's the best film I've seen this year. I'd be surprised if I saw a film I liked more this year because I, I just love Ben Wheatley so much and his aesthetic and kind of what he does. So yeah, it's a, that's my big recommendation for today. Five stars I loved um, In the Earth. It was wonderful. So people should check that out. And the last film I want to talk about is um, the first part of a trilogy. I watched Fear Street Ooh. part 1 1994 have you heard of this No. so it's you might what
0: well, a new trilogy or
1: well that's the thing it's interesting so it's on Netflix it's a Netflix film and yeah. um it's based on the Fair Street books by R. L. Stein, which were released in the sort of eighties and nineties. Okay. And they were these anthology kind of young adult horror books. Uh, that all mm. I think they were all set on this street. I think I read some of them. i have read Goosebumps more than Fair Street, but they were set on this in this town on this street and they were all various different kind of spooky, scary stories. And Netflix have made um a trilogy of films, uh all set in different eras. So the first one is set in 1994. The second one is set in 1979 or 1978. And the third mm. one is set in 1666. And the first one came out uh, two days ago, as we're talking now, on Friday, July the 2nd. The second one is out next Friday, July the 9th. And the third one is out the Friday after that. So they've made three movies, this trilogy, but they're releasing them all like a week apart.
0: And then you release And they're brand
1: new films, yeah. They're all brand new. And they're just putting them all wow. out one week apart, okay. which is a, a cool kind of project. Um, and I first saw the trailer for the trilogy like a few weeks ago, and I hadn't really heard of it before that. And I got pretty excited because it looked very interesting, very stylish. Um, it's got a pretty good cast. It's got lots of kind of Netflix standbys in it. So the first movie opens with Maya Hawke, who's uh, Ethan Hawke and Uma Thurman's daughter. And she's in the mm. third season of Stranger Things. She's a great actress, and it's also got Gillian Jacobs turns up a bit in it, and it's got a few other, um, you know, good actors in it. The second film is going to have uh, the actor that played Max uh, in Stranger Things in it, uh, and mm. I'm not sure who's in the third film, but um, but it's the idea is that it's one big story told across three films. The first film. Uh, set in 1994, is kind of a big homage to Scream and slasher movies of the 90s. The second film, set in the 70s, is going to be set in a summer camp, and the idea there is that it's sort of uh, an homage to Friday the 13th type summer camp horror films of the of the late 70s and 80s. And then the third movie is going to be set in the 1600s, and who knows what that is even going to be? That's it's it's really interesting. So I was really excited to um, watch them as they came out and the first one came out on Friday and I gave it a go and um, it's it's an enjoyable time, it's a good film it's, it, it's interesting that it's based on a kind of young adult uh, book series but it's definitely like an R-rated American horror film so there's swearing and violence and all the kinds of things that you'd expect from you know, quite serious horror. Mm. But it is a Netflix production, so it does feel, it has a very, it's very glossy and shiny in the way that Netflix productions are. Um, and you can sort of tell maybe there's a limit to the special effects in the film as to how good they'll, mm. they, they get. But that's all kind of understandable. It's done with a lot of charm. The characters are very um, witty. There's lots of one-liners. It, it's quite reminiscent of Buffy at times in a way, um, which I'm fine with. Uh, I could see if you were kind of a bit of a um a horror uh what's the word, like purist and you didn't like things to be too cheesy and silly, mm. you'd probably not really get on that well with it. But um in terms of like this this idea of this big project, this trilogy of movies all releasing within two weeks of each other I thought it was a pretty good start. I really enjoyed it. I thought the actors were good. It's had some. it got some great, gory, scary moments. There's a bit with a bread slicing machine, which I'm not going to forget anytime soon. <laughs> it was really, mm. really shocking. And uh, there's a few other good sort of kills and moments, and there's some good sort of creepy designs for some of the um, monsters and different characters. I mean, the, the basic plot of the movie is that the the film opens with somebody getting murdered it's like a kind of typical slasher thing and then the film follows these five main teen characters who are trying to uncover why people are being murdered and they sort of slowly start to unravel that it's got something to do with a witch that was killed in the 1600s which presumably is what uh, this is going to be kind of Looked at as the films uh, continue to be released, and um, they end up having to kind of try and fight this supernatural set of slasher monster things that um, keep coming after them. And then the film ends on a big sort of cliffhanger, and it will be continued next week with part two, 1978. And that's cool. Nice. It's quite exciting, actually. It is. I'd recommend giving it a go. I think, I mean, I think even.
0: Uh, only George have seen my face, and, uh, and uh, well, I guess, uh, yeah, no, no, I know. Well, maybe.
1: I mean, it's like it's like if Stranger Things was just a bit more violent. You know,
0: I'm not, I'm not, I'm not as harsh as you. I, I'll watch anything if you know. Sure, sure. And, uh, I'm not as uh, hypercritical.
1: Fine, that's fine then. So uh, give Fair Street a go. Um, <laughs> so yeah, other than that. Um it's very exciting that football is about to come home, and that's about it.
0: <laughs> well, both Italy and England are doing pretty well. So we'll see.
1: Yeah, we will see. But yeah, cool. Um that's all of my culture catch-up for today. Nice so Yeah, thank you. Sit down at the back and be quiet and get out your Book because it's time to discuss your homework
0: now. So, um uh our homework was uh to listen to our noughties band. And uh-huh. you asked me to listen to uh one of your top five noughties bands, which is called Misty's Big Adventure. Oh yes. And the album is called uh, The Black Hole. Mm-hmm yes uh so uh let's talk about Mrs. big adventure first so mrs big adventure is uh R, an eight piece band i didn't realize there were yep. so many uh oh, yeah. from birmingham and uh their music is quite eclectic they have jazz lounge psychedelia two-tone pop and punk uh, current lineup, uh, Grandmaster Gareth, <laughs> which is a hilarious name. Yeah. Uh, Hannah Baines, uh, Lucy Baines, Lucy Bassett, Matt Jones, Sam Minna, uh, Jonathan Keege, and Erotic Volvo. Love that name, but he's just a dancer. Erotic
1: he is Volvo. pretty much just a dancer, he but he's cool. Do anything
0: else about dancing. Um, quite cool that there's so many women in this eight-piece band, you know? Yeah, yeah and um yeah uh so um and that's pretty much it about the band they're like a fixture in uh, the birmingham's experimental scene uh since 1996 and uh um he the singer has got an interesting voice i uh he's got this kind of uh very interesting way of singing, which mm. I thought it was. Um, it was good. I was. I know I say this a lot, but knowing what you have recommended me in the past, and it's the and and this, I, th- this was really unexpected. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, so um, I had to listen to uh, the black hole. Uh, and I think is their they've done uh, quite a few. I think it's their second, al- third album, uh, released in two thousand and five, mm. and uh, so the the thing that the thing that first got me was his voice. Yes. I was not expecting his voice. It's kind of like a interesting. I would say slightly country music kind of voice. Hmm. They like very like her. Uh, her uh, I don't know. I just in some songs it felt really like country like. Um okay. and I don't know, maybe it's not, maybe it's not country, but it just felt like really like warm. And I was expecting something more shouty because I think when I hear pop punk from you, like when I, I, I after you talk, after you talk, listen to Squid, I listened to Squid and I was like, oh my goodness gracious. Uh, that's like, that's what I expect from what right. you like of pop punk. Like really like screamy kind of rah, Right. And this was yeah. not at all that. No, 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 uh, it's not. It doesn't. And, um,
1: yeah, It's very talky um, sometimes.
0: Yeah, it's it's really interesting. But the the album. So first of all, the, as a band, they're 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 really good. There's a really good ensemble of people. I think they musically they're amazing. Mm. This album is very eclectic, though.
1: Yeah, like, yeah,
0: yeah. There's not really. I can't really pinpoint. I liked it. First of all, I really liked it. I enjoyed it. I listened to it a few times. I listened to it while cooking, uh, while building uh, some kind of furniture this week, uh, while driving to work. Um, I, so I enjoyed listening to it, but I can't, it's, it's really eclectic and it's got lots of, it's got 15 songs that are very different from one another. Yeah. Didn't really follow a flow, which I'm, you know, I'm a very eclectic person. I like anything. So I, I kind of enjoyed that but the problem with eclecticism and talking about it you go uh, i enjoyed it i enjoyed the songs and it was good it's a good album uh, but i can't yeah i think yeah it's it's a good album and i really enjoy the songs um and it's got lots of influences in it's not just one style of music um it's very even, even in one song you can kind of feel like the the shifting of styles um but what is good about it, I think anybody can enjoy this album. I don't yeah. think that it's just like because you don't it is not one style of music. There's many and I think you everybody can find something in this album that they can enjoy.
1: Mm.
0: And uh, I thought that was really good. And um yeah, I enjoyed it. I, I thought it was a good album and they seemed like a cool band um and quite and not well known. It's very hard to find Details about them. Yeah, they're not Wikipedia. the biggest band in the world. Yeah, so I found some stuff on Wikipedia. But if you actually wanted to know about the album itself, it was like, oh, um, <laughs> yeah, um, but no, I I enjoyed the album. I thought it was good. I um, I think I think quite like the second song, never stops, never rests, never ends.
1: Oh yeah, that's a good. That's song.
0: the one that I remember the most i like of that the album. song
1: the story of love's a good song elevate the escalator stairs is a good song there's a mm-hmm. lot going on in my mind it's a, yeah it's a it's, yeah. a it's an interesting album um yeah. I, it's pretty really like, long as well yeah how long is it 44 minutes yeah
0: it's 44 minutes so it's quite long and so sometimes i think i got a little bit lost in doing other things because it wasn't because it's so eclectic and so long you kind of go oh is it still the same album but good good choice good good naughties band i i thought it was uh i thought it was good
1: yeah yeah and one that people who listen might not have heard of or listened to so yeah people should go and go and check them out
0: yeah if you haven't listened to uh misty's a big adventure a band i would definitely recommend listening to it because mm. it's uh they're good
1: and they're really cool live so if you get if you get a, ch- you get a mm. chance then check them out live they're yeah. they're good yeah that's definitely I would my love to see uh, to...
0: erotic volvo dancing around
1: yeah it's, it's a, yeah it's it's <laughs> you've got it's a sight to be seen it really is um yeah yeah and they're still yeah they're still out there doing their thing um Cool. That's good. I'm glad you liked it. So that was your homework, Misty's Big Adventure. Mine my, my naughty's band that I had to listen to was one of your favourites. Uh Røyksop.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Uh Norwegian electronic music duo. Um from Tromsø. Uh, they formed in 1998. And they it their name is uh they're sort of named after a certain type of mushroom. Is that right? But they but spelt slightly differently, which is sure. I guess so. Yeah. Um, <clears> the <throat> uh, uh, that's what I, that's what I read on Wikipedia about them. Uh, they're a sort of um, electronic band, but not so much in the vein of Daft Punk or anything like that. They're much more ambient and mm. sort of downbeat. Uh, than that. They definitely sound like uh music from the noughties. And they definitely sound like music that you would enjoy because uh, there's definitely kind of not exactly similarities, but there's a there's a there's, a, there's a, um you could imagine someone who enjoyed Sigur Rós would also enjoy this band. If that makes sense.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah. Um which is good which song which is good that you recommended them to me, because I like uh Sigaros, which is good. <laughs> They're still together. They're, they're, they're strange. It's, they're, they're an odd band that so they're still together, but they're not going to make any more albums, they've said. Is that that's what I was reading? That they're, yeah. they're now just going to put out <laughs> music as and when they make it, but not necessarily for albums. They've done a lot of stuff for like adverts and other things, it mm, seems, yeah. since uh, yeah. since their last album in 2014, that was called The Inevitable End. Um, which, what do you think about that? The idea of a band sort of not breaking up, but just not making albums anymore?
0: I feel like the music industry has got a lot of pressure and you have to take and you have to like do so many things to be a successful artist. Yeah. Um, I guess if you go independent in that sense and just do music for adverts, you're still doing what you love, which is music. Yeah. But you're... Probably less. Um, you have less pressure of uh, uh, releasing an album every three to six years. Being uh, a mess about from the music industry, touring. You're you're definitely you're making more money from doing that than being just kind of like doing gigs around Norway. Yeah. Um, and you kind of maybe experimenting more and being. Free and to experiment more, I don't know i th- i it's their own, but the more you find out about the music industry being like quite unflexible and mm, and not really sometimes not fair, I think if that's your decision, I think that's pretty cool that you're happy to do that
1: yeah that's fair enough, but how about you Alec as a fan of them, the idea that you're not gonna get any more collections of music from them? oh well
0: I left them at the noughties. Like they were my favorite band in the noughties. I don't, I haven't considered really them after the noughties, you know, or what they've released and yeah, uh, yeah. that's it. Like that's, that's the kind of music that I really enjoyed. And I still enjoy now because I, I, you know, I, I've, you know, I started listening to them again. Um, but yeah, it's disappointing that you're, you're not going to have anything from Royksopp that is an album anymore, but at the same time, what they release has been pretty good.
1: Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Um, yeah, so I had to listen to their first album, Melody AM, from 2000 and... When was this album released? 2001. So right at mm-hmm. the start of the Nauties. So they really are a band band. Um, <clears throat> and it turned out that I totally knew, like I recognised some of the songs already, in particular the second trap, Ep- Eple.
0: Yeah. Is, yeah, because they're so they're really they're like their music has been used so much.
1: Yeah, without me realizing yeah. it, I knew like a bunch yeah. of songs, and in particular that ep- yeah. that second track is a song that I knew and really really liked. So it was nice to finally mm. kind of have a name to that sound, if that makes sense. Um, because it's definitely that's been used in adverts yeah. and films and stuff for years and years. That that track, um, and it's good. It's really a, a, almost. The opposite, but similar problem to what you were saying, Mrs. B. Adventure, is because it's kind of an ambient album other than those bits that I really already knew and recognised. It just was like a really pleasant, lovely thing that washed over me and I enjoyed. Mm. And I'm definitely, like, I, I, I'm going to listen to them more. I'm not going to leave them behind having done them as homework. Um, they're definitely a band that I think I could enjoy and listen to more, particularly this album. So, yeah. Um, yeah, it's they're really, really good. They are a great electronic act. I don't listen to too much electronic music, but I like that kind of European area of the world where sort of ambient, chill-out music comes from, and it's nice to sometimes just have that on, particularly while you're doing some work or getting something done. And um, Yeah, they're great. They're really, really good. I'm glad you recommended them. And they're very much the kind of thing that I would expect you to to like.
0: Ah, oh, good, I'm glad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um Well I'm glad 'cause I am because i was not sure if you might like them because they're I think we could you could have gone both ways with Roik I think you could have really, really liked them or just thought there was kind of like ambient music that you you know. But I'm glad you like them because I think I think they're they're really good. And their music has been used so much in so many adverts, even in their albums or like films and Yeah. yeah.
1: They're very
0: well known.
1: Certainly are. They certainly are. Okay. Cool. cool. Brilliant. Right. That's fantastic. Good successful homework time. So,
0: yeah.
1: Should we move into our top five? (sighs) Yes. Cool. Good. good, Good. 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 Five. So, you're going to open us up with your fifth favourite coming-of-age film.
0: Yeah, definitely. So, (laughs) coming-of-age films are about, you know, usually, uh, like, a change in somebody's life, probably school time, or, like... I think coming-of-age is, like, a big spectrum, isn't it?
1: Uh, Yeah, there's, like, a real... I mean, like it's just huge. films. They, they're they often high school films, but not necessarily high school films. Yeah. Uh, but they're films generally that follow a character who changes fundamentally over the course of the story.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So... um.
1: And there's a loss of innocence.
0: Mine were going to be all high school. And I was like, no, Alex, there's much more to coming of age than high school. So I've gone a little bit like, it's going to be an eclectic top five.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because we like that.
1: We absolutely do.
0: Um... Because if not, I was going to be talking about five of the same film, but with different <laughs> actors. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it happens in high school and this was happens. Okay, so my number five is a film from uh, 1996. Uh, the director is a controversial director. So uh, I'm sorry, but this is a great film. So it's directed by Bernardo, Bernardo Bertolucci. And is a film that I like the Italian I watched it in Italian with the Italian title and I think the Italian title makes more sense. So the Italian title is Io ballo da sola, which translated is I Dance Alone, but in English is called Stealing Beauty. Huh. Have you heard of it? No. Have you watched it? No. Oh, so my number five is Stealing Beauty and it stars um Liv Tyler, uh Sinead Cusack, Jeremy Irons, uh Rachel Way... I can never say her name. Rachel White.
1: Wise, I always say. Wise? Wise.
0: Uh Wise. Wise. Uh, Stefania wise uh stefania Sorry. sandrelli who is like a really big italian actress um jo- joseph fines so this is the story of lucy Harmon, played by liv tyler Uh, uh, And when she was 15, she visited uh, this Tuscan town uh, where her mother, uh, that her mother loved. And um, four years later, uh, she goes back to this uh, town uh, after her mother's suicide. And uh, she returns uh, to kind of um, go back to some old memories and to um, kind of... Uh, maybe reconnect with her mother and her roots. Also, four years prior, she had kissed a boy and she's hoping to see him again. And um, this the story of her finding herself and growing, uh, realizing that uh, what she wanted when she arrived in Italy is not what she wants anymore Mm. and uh, she she's a virgin so that's a big part of the film and uh, she all men love her she's like this um, she's this kind of like light force the men love and but uh, nobody can really have her in a way and she's kind of also trying to find her father because she thinks that the father that she has in the in the states is not her real father and she thinks that one of the men that is in this villa might be her uh, real father and uh, it's a really beautifully shot film. Is Bernardo Bertolucci, you know, he has done some big mistakes in the past, but he's an incredible filmmaker. And the way this film is shot is just. Beautiful, and there's um, conversations around, uh, you know, the dinner table, for example, where he just shoots everybody and everybody's reaction, and it just feels like you're there with the with with the actors, and you're talking to them, and you're getting drunk with them, and you're eating with them, and you're smoking weed with them. It's just. Um, really beautiful nice what's your number five man?
1: my number five is a film we've talked about before on this podcast it's a 2016 New Zealand film uh, written and directed by Taika Waititi uh, who we know very well and love absolutely Uh, it stars Sam Neill and Julian Dennison and it is Hunt for the Wilder People
0: great choice man
1: thank you Great bloody choice. Uh, Hunt for the Older People follows Ricky Baker, a juvenile uh, delinquent who's been abandoned by his mother and um, taken in by Child Welfare Services who leave him to live on a farm with his um, foster aunt and her husband. And early on, there's a tragedy and um, Ricky is basically left living with the cantankerous, angry old husband played by Sam Neill um and they don't like each other and maybe they're gonna over the course of the film they're gonna learn to appreciate each other and work together and uh, maybe Ricky Baker will uh, grow up a little bit and maybe come of age slightly perhaps you might say. Um, <clears throat> they yeah. Uh, the film sort of is about them. They sort of end up having to go on the run together for various reasons. They're being hunted down by. A uh, child welfare officer, played hilariously by Rachel House, who has turned up in other things re uh, since, um, and is always great, and yeah. um, it's just a really heartfelt, beautiful film. It's got that particular sense of humour that only Taika Waititi seems to possess, and is able to infuse into uh, into his movies really well, and um, I love it. I saw it for the first time when it came out in the cinema in twenty sixteen. I've watched it a couple of times since. And I think it's just great, I think Julian Dennison um was a real like incredible discovery in this movie. He plays Ricky Baker perfectly um he's ended up getting quite a lot of work since and hasn't i've he's what was he in recently he was in the Christmas Chronicles too, and he wasn't great in that and then he was in um he was in the yeah the Godzilla versus Kong film, and he's okay in that, but he's Taika Waititi seemed to really be able to um, get an amazing performance out of him, uh, and I think other directors have kind of used him because he's so good in Hunt for the World of People but not played necessarily to his strengths since, which is a pity because I'm hoping that he will do more. He's in he's in Deadpool 2, and he's very good in Deadpool 2. Um, Mm. And I hope that he gets, you know, he gets more opportunities to shine in the future because he's just so so good in this film. And then obviously there's no point talking about it. I just love and adore Sam Neill. He's the absolute best, and he's great in this. Um, and who's who? And he goes through, even though you know Sam Neill's, you know, quite old. He he goes through his own sort of coming of age and maturity story in this film as well. And I think that's what makes it such a great film is the kind of parallel journeys that these two characters go on as they learn to. Uh, to find love in each other, um and adjust to the loss of someone that they both uh loved in their own ways. So yeah. You like this film, don't you? All I right. like
0: it. I love it. I love this film. It's the best. Yeah. Yeah. It's so good. Yeah, but Yeah, it's a really good film. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's so good. Um and yeah, we've talked about it in the past, so I won't go on about it too much more, but I love it. It's a great film. Hunt for the World of People. Nice-o.
0: Nice-o. Nice. Niceo. Nice, nice, cool. So my number four.
1: Okay. Yes.
0: So my number four is uh two thousand and ten coming of age film. Uh starring Emma Stone. Do you know which one it is? I think so. Yeah. And it's called Easy A.
1: Nice. It's on my list as well.
0: Yeah! Yeah. Oh, great. Uh like this could be like I love this film. Yeah. Uh Easy A. And uh so uh Easy A stars Emma Stone as Olive. Um and uh she uh she's she's good at school, she's amazing, and uh but uh after like a lie that comes out that she has uh lost her virginity um she she decides to kind of use this rumor to uh get money i guess and uh advance her social standing in school cuz you know in american schools you have your well you have your Cool kids, your jocks, your goffs, and that's what happens. I don't know. Is this same in the UK? Yeah, I guess so. Um, not as, not as clear, cut. No. Yeah, not as clear. She's got cool parents, which are really fun.
1: Yeah, parents are great. Uh, They're like all the time best. The parents are like one of like an incredible part of the film. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I think I think like they kind of also make the film because they're, they're like really cool, and really understanding. Um, she's studying the Scarlet Letter, which is it seems like in America they study they study always the Scarlet Letter. It's definitely and one that they like to bring up in it.
1: films, isn't it?
0: Yeah, and because uh she has this new reputation of like the harlot, she decides to put in a. <laughs> <laughs> on her clothes like in the book the scarlet letter um there's an incredible uh scene when she, of her birthday uh when she's got this card that uh, sent from her grandma um when uh would have uh, what's her name
1: oh, i was in natasha that? beddingfield
0: Natasha Beddingfield, a pocket yeah. full of sunshine. I've got a pocket of a pocket for sunshine. Uh, yeah, and uh, it's just it's just a great film. It's just fun. Emma Stone is perfect in it. Um, yeah,
1: yeah. It's just one of those films where everything comes together perfectly, and it just is just this incredibly fun, easy to watch, heartfelt um, high school comedy movie that um, is, yeah. kind of manages to be better than the sum of its parts, better than you kind of expect it to be. And I could watch it just about any day of the week. It's great.
0: Yeah, exactly. And I think that's that's a, a good thing about a coming-of-age film comedy. Like, yeah. yeah, you could just watch it all the time and just be happy with it.
1: They got Emma Stone at the exact right point in her career as well Yeah, for, to be in that film. Yeah, They, they, they struck gold. Yeah, because
0: this was after... It was after Superbad, wasn't it? I and think she just so. Kind yeah. Of was in another yeah, and Bad She was in Superbad before, and then um, she was in this one. And yeah, it's just a really good. Hmm. Yeah.
1: Yeah. A good pick. I like it.
0: Yeah. Amanda yeah. Bynes is very good about, in it as well. Again, it's got
1: a great cast. Hmm? Amanda. Yeah, Amanda
0: Bynes. Yeah. Amanda Bynes used to be so amazing in these kind of films. You know, I know. she's the man. This. Um, let me find, because I've seen a lot of her films. Um, television, no. Yeah, she's the man. hairspray, Easy and then. Poor girl.
1: Yeah, she had such. She had a very public um, difficulties, which is sad, because she. Uh...
0: Which is crazy, because it seems like all this kind of young actors in that kind of era that started really young are yeah. kind of all having really big issues
1: yeah and I think
0: sad. there's a pattern in there
1: <laughs> I think there's a clear pattern yeah and um, it's terrible
0: like I feel really sorry for them because you know Amanda Bynes is a really good actress and
1: yeah. Well yeah, and i look at everything and that Brit- felt... Britney Spears has gone through in the past couple of weeks to see how awful it can I be. I know,
0: but I'm so glad it came out because it's been this—it's been on the rumor mill for quite some time that she. It's been hasn't like an really open
1: been... secret, yeah, for years.
0: So. Yeah, and it's just like, but they won't do anything about it.
1: Like... No, well, I don't think it's the end of the story yet. I think that
0: no, be, there's more to come. Well, out. Hope. I hope it all works out for yeah. the best
1: for her because it seems horrible um yeah good great easy a good good number four pick
0: Yay! thank you
1: thank you um my number four is a film that has been in another top five of mine in the past which i don't normally <gasps> do but it was in a different <laughs> it was in a slightly different oh, context uh, because it was in my top five soundtracks uh
0: oh yeah uh, oh, what I had one of my top five. No, oh, never mind. Uh, it's fine.
1: Um, <laughs> uh, but I wanted to put the film itself in on a list uh, because I think the film is, is incredible. It's a 2019 um, buddy comedy coming-of-age movie directed by Olivia Wilde, uh, starring um, Beanie Fe- Fel- Feldstein and Caitlin Dever uh, as two high school girls on their last day of high school. It is the film Booksmart. Yeah, baby. Yeah, which we watched together on a on a wonderful New Year's Day or Eve.
0: Yeah. Just before it's the world. perfect hangover film.
1: It yeah, truly it was. Um <clears throat> Yeah, it's about these two girls who support and love each other and uh, they're both about to finish high school and go off to uh, continue their lives and they realise on the last day of high school that maybe they've focused too much in their studies and not enough on just enjoying life and decide that they want to have uh, one big crazy party night before um, high school finishes and they go off with that mission in mind and they manage to succeed... Pretty, pretty spectacularly in having a mad, uh, crazy night, um, and it's just a really sweet, heartfelt movie. It's, um, you know, similar to other coming-of-age movies of recent years. It uh, is very inclusive and contains character. You know, it does. It's not just about heterosexual characters and their journeys. It's about uh, a wide range of different journeys and experiences, um, and. It's it's just lovely, and it's about it's about love and friendship, and um, yeah, I love it. I loved it the first time I saw it. I it, it had my attention. I've watched it a couple of times since, and it continues to be wonderful. And uh, yeah, it's great.
0: I love it. Thank Very you. nice. Yeah,
1: yeah. yeah. So uh, watch book smart if you haven't seen it. It's good. Good film. Perfect film.
0: Yeah, it's a good
1: film. That's my number four. Coolio
0: very nice very nice thank you cool so my number three uh i'm uh uh, so number three is uh this was a really hard i know it's always a hard list but you know it's it's such a it's such a varied kind of you know coming of age Mm. and so it's just like ah um but yeah but yeah never mind I'm going to carry on. So (laughs) my number three is a film directed by Taika Waititi. Okay. uh, Released in
1: 2019. Okay. uh, And it's called Jojo Rabbit. Lovely stuff. Mm. What a nice pick. I hadn't Uh, thought of that as a coming of age film, but it is.
0: Yeah, yeah. My number three was really hard because I've got like three, t- I just chose my number three because I've got three choices on my number three and I'm going to choose this one. Um. So, because uh, I wasn't sure because I've got a similar film as my number one, but we'll talk about it later. Okay. Uh, But yeah, so it's about, it's a film Uh. Directed by Taika Waititi, who we love. I think we talked about it before as well. Uh, the yeah.
1: Podcast. Yeah, we've definitely talked yes, about it. Yes, and
0: so it's kind of a uh, it's a World War II satire, and it follows uh, Jojo, played by Roman Griffin Davis, um, who. Uh, has been indoctrinated to a certain uh, belief of uh, uh, of a certain belief of uh, Germany at that time, mm-hmm. but his world and his best f- imaginary friend is uh, Adolf Hitler, who's played by <laughs> Taika Waititi, and his world gets uh, turned upside down when he finds out that his mother does not believe in the doctrine or into the things that. Uh, Germany was saying at the time, mm-hmm. and she's actually hiding uh, a Jewish girl, um, Thomasine McKenzie, who's also gonna be in a night in Soho. I'm very excited to see her again. Yeah, and she's hiding her in the attic. Forgot to say that the mother is played by Scarlett Johansson.
1: Yes, yes, yes,
0: and uh, and uh, Jojo has to change and confront his uh, nationalism who uh, does horrible things to his mother and it might take away the girl that he um, has has formed a close bond with and so uh, it's the story about him uh, kind of changing and developing into a kid that Maybe does not believe what his country is telling him, but believes more in uh, love and his heart. Yeah. And it's a beautiful film. Mm. Yeah, I and I I I love it. Yeah, uh, Taika Waititi is an incredible filmmaker. <clears throat> is a gift that keeps on giving, and I think is a. Uh, and you, you're right. He brings the best out of people. I think Roman Griffin Davis is amazing in it. Um, Thomas C. McKenzie as well uh, they're both kids but they both like act incredibly well and um, I think it's great, it's a great film and uh, that's why I narrowed it down to my 3 to 3 Jojo Rabbit It's
1: a good pick, I like it, it's a great film it's a perfect film so yeah, well well I done think so too. yeah yeah
0: they're, I think they're the two you would have not thought they were perfect films.
1: <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> um, yeah. Cool, cool, cool. Right, so my number three then.
0: Yeah, you're number three.
1: My number three is a 2006 film. Um, it's a Spanish-Mexican film uh, and it is uh, called El Labirinto del Fano or in English, Pan's oh. Labyrinth.
0: Great choice, man.
1: Thank you. Written and directed and produced by Guillermo del Toro and starring Ivana Baccaro, Sergi Lopez, Maribel Verdu, Doug Jones, and Ariadna Gill, according to Wikipedia, they're your main actors. Um it's set during the um uh oh it's set after the Spanish Civil War, uh in 1944 uh during uh, the early Francoist period, again according to Wikipedia. Um and it's about a young girl uh, called uh a fella who is um the daughter of da 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 da, da, da the daughter of Carmen who has mm. um her father isn't in the film, is dead I, I assume and a yeah. fella's mother has started seeing uh Captain Vidal, who is an officer in um in the army, and they're set up in this um sort of base in the woods, uh and they're in the middle of fighting uh the rebel the rebel soldiers uh out mm. in in the sort of surrounding forest area. And uh a and her mother come to stay with Captain Vidal and you kind of see uh, this period of time in the life of a fella as she kind of comes to grips with the choices her mother is making uh, through the sort of through this through this kind of window of this fawn that she encounters who tells her that she is mm-hmm. actually this princess from a fantasy world and that she has to complete these trials in order to uh, return to the place that she belongs um, and you never really know in the movie. Whether what is happening in the fantasy world is real or whether it's just a way that she is uh, coping with kind of the traumatic events uh, around her And it mixes these really traumatic, horrific human characters with kind of equally awful uh, monster characters in the fantasy world. Um and it's there's not really another film like it ever other than another no. some of some of Guillermo del Toro's other work kind of is similar, yeah. but it is this kind of adult fairy tale fantasy um civil war drama, um and it's just completely its own unique thing and I saw it in the cinema when it in two thousand six when it first came out and I just loved it completely. And uh, I've watched it over and over again in the years since, and it I just it's just a it's one of those movies that's just perfect. Guillermo del Toro has gone on to be one of the most well respected and loved filmmakers around. He won you know so many Oscars for The Shape of Water uh, years later, but I would still mm-hmm. I would probably put this still as his kind of best work. I think that it's uh, an absolute masterpiece, and it's a great coming of age film. Um, you know, Ophelia is a young girl who's having to deal with um horrific things that no one should have to, <laughs> yeah. particularly anyone of that age. And it's no. if you want to read it as that she's retreating into a fantasy world because she can't handle what's happening in the real world. That's an absolutely kind of le- legitimate reading of the movie. And if if you want to see it that there's this other world that is there to save her and take her away and rescue her, then that's also you know, um. A legitimate look at the film, and yeah, it's great. You like mm. it, Alex?
0: Yeah, yeah. I love uh, Pan's Labyrinth. Yeah, yeah. El laberinto del Fauno. Laberinto del Fauno. Yeah,
1: in 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 Spanish, yeah. the, the 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 faun isn't even called Pan. Um, no, it's not meant to be Pan. In fact, it's it's this just one of these. odd like you were talking earlier about the English title of um, I Dance Alone. Yeah. It's just for some reason they called it Pan's Labyrinth in English instead of the Labyrinth of the yeah. Faun, which is what it should be called. But, uh, yeah, but you know, and Doug Jones, Doug Jones, who's one of our great, uh, special effects actors, um, plays the fawn amazingly well, and he also plays the pale man with the uh, eyes in his hands, Ugh. which is one of oh, the most is, terrifying sequences.
0: Horrible, ever like, put that's terrible. It's horrific. Yeah. those hands are terrible. I can't even watch it now. I close my eyes. They're terrible. Yeah,
1: yeah, and like, it's
0: just having eye. Like how terrifying? Who thought? To put just hands eyes in your hands would be so terrifying.
1: Well, Guillermo del Toro. And he
0: does this. He puts his hands. On him. Oh, I was horrible. Well, that's what is oh. So, it's,
1: it's the make the makeup and the effects are really good, but it's the performance of Doug yeah. Jones that makes it terrifying because the way he moves in that yeah. sequence is uh, is just so scary. Um, yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's, well, it's such a good. If you haven't seen Pan's Labin then um, please watch it. It's the best. It's the absolute best.
0: Yeah.
1: Cool. What's your number two?
0: Two, mine uh, number two. Very good choice, by the way. Very good. Very good. I like it. Thank you. Uh, My number two is a 2016 coming of age comedy styling. Hey, styling? (laughs) (laughs) Starring Hayley Steinfeld. uh, And it's called The Edge of 17.
1: Nice. I've seen this film. Nice good so <laughs> what's it about
0: uh, good uh so it's about uh Nadine who um is in high school and um she is kind of an awkward girl she dresses in a funny, awkward way and she's got an older brother who is like the perfect sexy, beautiful, popular jock Um, and um, she, uh, her father has died uh, when she was 13 and her mother is very self-conscious on looks so she's very different from her mother and her brother. Uh, she's got a best friend, uh, Nadine uh, no Nadine, she's got a best friend uh um krista who is always with her and they're kind of the same both kind of like quirky kind of people uh one night they get drunk at a house party of her brother and uh uh nadine uh falls asleep in her bathroom and uh when she wakes up, she can't find her friend Krista, and then she finds her and her best friend Krista is now with uh in bed with her hated uh brother Darien. Mm. So she kind of uh she kind of feels betrayed like a 17 year old would feel betrayed and uh, she you know she feels like uh, Krista has gone to the dark side with the cool kids because that's what Darren has and um, she starts confiding in her teacher played by Woody Harrelson which I think it's perfect in this film i love woody harrison he's amazing um if you see some bloopers of this film it is he is so funny like he's funny in the film but it's also really funny in um in real life and um yeah and she starts fancying this guy and she sends a really (laughs) interesting text to this guy but then you know um Uh, She doesn't end up with the guy that she fancies because that happens quite a lot in coming of age films. She ends up with the guy that is nice rather than the guy that she fancies. And yeah, and... I really like this film because it's kind of, she's so dramatic, uh, Nadine, uh, played by Haley Steinfield. And um, if you think about it now, if your friend goes with your brother, it doesn't really matter. But when you're 17, 16, it's a tragedy right. and everything is a tragedy and everything she does is tragic. Like, every, you know, at one point she goes in Woody Harrelson's office in his class and she goes, I'm going to kill myself. and it's just like it's it's just so melodramatic isn't it that age and I think this film portrays that kind of crazy hormonal melodrama in a really amazing way because Haley Steinfeld is an amazing actress and she does an amazing job in this film and um, it's a really funny and real film and when she sends the text that she doesn't want to send that has happened to me. It probably has happened to you. You know the text that you you oh, yeah. try and you've sent by mistake. Absolutely. And it's I think I think it's a it's a really good film and to be have done in two thousand and sixteen and still be able to kind of do a coming of age this way I think is great and I love it. Have you seen? You've seen uh, the Age of Seventeen?
1: I have, but I saw it once. I don't remember it very well, but I remember liking it. Mm. I, I really really like highly. Steinfeld a lot and I remember she plays mm. a character in this that's not necessarily like in Easy A Emma Stone's character you just like from the start
0: Yeah you love She's her She's a
1: completely likeable yeah. character and she yeah. might make some bad decisions <laughs> but you're with <laughs> yeah. her joy. whereas Hailey Steinfeld's character is yeah. much pricklier and of a very different yeah. type of yeah. teenager and probably a more realistic portrayal of a genuine American yeah. teenager um, and yeah. you know her, her dislike of her teenager. brother is so intense and it's yeah. so interesting that she's she lacks the maturity so much to kind of understand where her friend is coming from and all of these things. And yeah. um <clears throat> it's a mu- it's not it's not an easygoing fun comedy in the way that Easy A is. It's a much more difficult no. film, um, but is is really really good. I re- I remember really enjoying yeah. it. Yeah, uh, and yeah, like you say, Woody Harrelson is brilliant.
0: Yeah, because I think it tackles with that age in a really good way. Yeah, because when you're hormonal that way, you don't you 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 don't make sense. And she's tragic, you know. When she catches when she catches her brother and uh, her best friend in the bedroom, it's like you know you know they've they're killing someone, but it's just they're just you know being boyfriend and girlfriend, and yeah. I don't know or being together. But yeah, it's uh, yeah it's tragic, and I think uh, it's more realistic. I love yay. But I think also she's got a very um, love-hate relationship with her mum, which is also a little bit more realistic than... Because mm. it's, yeah, the parents are fantastic. And I love that film just because it's just a fun film. But I think this is kind of the more... Yeah.
1: Yeah, no, that's fair.
0: Yeah. Kill cool. What's the number two?
1: My, my number two is a movie uh, from the year of uh, 2017. Um, mm. it, is set in Italy and it's directed by an Italian filmmaker, Luca Guadagnino. Ah, and it is the film Call Me By Your Name. Have, yes, have you seen this?
0: I have not seen it, no. I wanted to see it, and then stuff about Ham Hammy Hammy Ham Ham hammer. The ham sandwich came out, and I was like, "Oh, yeah."
1: And um. Yeah, but you know, more, there's a lot more people that worked on it than just Army Hammer. But it is, it has yeah, become yeah, a yeah. bit of a no. It's... Um, tricky one because of the personal revelations about that um, bizarre guy. Um, but yeah, so it stars <laughs> it stars Army Hammer as Oliver, an American uh, archaeology student. I think he is. He's uh, twenty four. Um. And he is invited to stay for the summer with uh, Elio's family. And Elio is played by Timothy Chalamet, and he's a 70-year-old boy who lives in northern Italy, rural northern Italy, with his parents. And, um, yeah, he's kind of growing up. He's he's 17, and Oliver kind of... The arrival of Oliver sort of um, awakens feelings in this sort of introspective quiet, uh, young teenager who starts exploring himself, um, in reaction to the, to the feelings that are awakened in him by Oliver. And it's a very, it's a very kind of low key film. It's not got big, loud emotions in it. It's very understated and quiet, but there's lots of moments of beauty in it. You know, the setting is, uh, Incredible and shot beautifully by um, Luca Guadagnino and his cinematographer. And Timothy Chalamet is great in this movie. Army Hammer, problematic personal life stuff, but he's really good in the film as well. Um, And it's got these great, like, it's got these long shots, these long sequences of the camera just kind of very. Casually, um, following these two characters as long as they have these long conversations all within camera, um, and it's it's really beautiful. It's got it's got an incredible final shot, <clears throat> um, that stays on as the credits roll and this shot continues playing and you kind of stay with this character as he processes things and it's 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 a beautiful film. It's a really lovely, beautiful movie. I really really loved it the first time I watched it and um, I want to watch it again because I don't remember it as well as I wish I did. But I know that I really love it, so um, mm-hmm. that's why I wanted to put it in at my number in my number two spot. Uh, they w- were saying for years that they were going to make a sequel, and I think probably I'd rather they didn't make a sequel. And now, thanks to Army Hammer, it, it seems unlikely that they will make a sequel. But um, it kind of just exists now as 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 a as a, as a great individual film that's just very very beautiful, has a lovely soundtrack, it's set in the eighties and i you know i just i like things that are set in the 80s it kind of hits all my buttons in terms of <laughs> setting and 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 look and sound and all of these things and it's just very lovely and quiet and uh i like it i just i just like it so nice uh, sir.
0: yeah yeah when I, when, I, when i when i was doing my research i i saw a lot of similarities when i was reading also about call me by your name with um uh, I um, the, my number five.
1: Yeah, um, yeah, I thought that when you were describing Duty. it.
0: Mm. So I think they've got a lot of similarities. So that's cool. Yeah. We yeah. have uh, some similar films.
1: Yeah, definitely. But um, I bet that your film doesn't have a scene with a peach that's used in quite the same way as uh, call me by your name. <laughs> <laughs> Great. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um. Great, cool, good stuff. Uh, that's my number two. My number two is Call Me By Your Name. What's your nice. um, number one?
0: My number one is a 2012 film directed by one of my favorite directors, Wes Anderson. And the film is called Moonrise Kingdom. Of course. Why are you laughing?
1: I'm not, well, no, because it's, it's like it's at the top of my honorable mentions list so it's yeah, just yeah
0: like so set it's set in 1965 um in an island off the coast of new england and there's um there's this community that lives there and uh sam who's uh 12 um and susie uh fall in love and decide to run away in the most beautiful epic journey um uh but uh, they um, they don't. It's not easy for them to run away as like uh, her family and the orphanage and the scouts where he's with. Uh, look for them. Uh, there's also like this storm approaching this island. Uh, uh, and uh, it's just that basically, it's just a story about two kids that fall in love and run away. Uh, and. But it's beautiful. It's an incredible film. It stars well. Shall I read all the stars? Who stars? <laughs> as with as with um, Wes
1: Anderson films, it's got a lot of people in it.
0: Everybody, like from Frances McDormand, Bill Murray, who plays uh, Lucy, uh, Susie's uh, parents, who have an interesting relationship. Uh, they don't. They're not really. They don't really communicate. They not have the grip. But they they're Wes Anderson kind of family. Yeah then uh bruce willis uh who plays uh captain sharp and he is uh the a policeman who is kind of having a maybe a platonic relationship with uh francis McDormand. Mm. well like she's having an affair with him i'm not i can't remember exactly if it's platonic or not but it doesn't matter um ed norton who is scoutmaster <laughs> <Yeah>. ward <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> it's amazing in it. Uh, Tilda Swinton, who's social services, and then um, Sam, and is played by Jared Gilman, and Susie's played by Carrie Hayward. Um, and then who else is in the film? Uh, that's it of like really known actors. Yeah, it's just a beautiful, beautiful film about young love and. Uh, Pure, pure young love. It's just adorable. It's a beautiful, beautiful film and I love it. Mm. Yeah, it's great. I think it's the perfect coming of age film. Perfect. Wes Anderson. Yep. Yeah. Doing things perfectly. I yep.
1: Agreed. It's great. Yeah. It's great. Good yeah. good pick for number one. Uh, my number one, of course, is Easy A. Easy A. Excellent. Yeah. Which we thank you, which we talked about. Excellent. So do you want to run down your top five?
0: Yeah, top five. My number five, uh Stealing Beauty or Yobalda Sola. Uh number four, Air uh, Easy A. Uh number three, Jojo Rabbit. Number two, the edge of seventeen. And number one, Moonrise Kingdom.
1: Lovely stuff. My top five is uh number five Hunt for the World of People. Number four, Booksmart. Number three, Pan's Labyrinth. Number two, Call Me by Your Name. And number one, Easy A. Yeah. Any honourable mentions to, to talk about? Honourable,
0: any any honourable mentions? I've got pages. Okay. Pages. Okay. So honourable mentions. Uh, Moonlight, uh, film, uh, two thousand and sixteen film that I spoke about uh, a few weeks ago. Incredible film about uh, this boy growing up. The yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, Duff. Uh, 10 Things I Hate About You. Clueless. Uh, I talked about it before with Alicia Silverstone. Mm. American Pie, which I think uh-huh. is like when, when coming of age films kind of like went a little bit. Uh, what's the word? Rogue and <laughs> got a little bit. um Sexy. uh, The Goonies, uh, but <laughs> I didn't put it in my list because I wasn't sure if it was gonna be like a chi- children's film. But th- there's quite a lot of character development in the film, and they, but yeah, the you Goonies, can probably call I it love. a
1: coming of age film. I mm, guess.
0: Yeah, that was gonna be yeah, so I wasn't sure, but I, I put it in because I forgot to mention it in my 80s film. So The Goonies, okay. I'm putting it in, uh, which I love that film. Uh, Billy Elliot. Uh, and I wish and our little sister by Koreeda, uh, yeah. a great film I wish about two kids uh uh reuniting, and our little sister, we talked about it before Juno uh bring it on, Bring it on was about cheerleading, book smart, uh, which we just talked about super bad, love super bad, Napoleon Dynamite, which I think is one of a kind coming-of-age film, mm. love it. Uh, Your Name, which is an anime, but I think is definitely kind oh, of... Oh, yeah. uh, yeah. yeah. uh, Coming-of-age, Bend It Like Beckham, uh, Spirited Away, uh, Hunt for the Wilder People, Moxie, Ferris Bueller Day Off, any John Hughes film, done. Lovely stuff. So that means 16 Candles, in Pink, Pink, maybe not The Breakfast Club, but, you know. Uh, that's always in there in every in every list I looked at there's always the breakfast club I know in all of
1: them (laughs) stupid film don't like like it
0: yeah that's my honourable mention cool ah Mean Girls sorry Mean Girls ah yeah 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 that was also my list and I just just had to move it (laughs) sorry Mean Girls
1: it's a good film though um good it's so good good choice I've got a few there's a lot of crossover though but like Moonrise Kingdom um like, yeah. one. Uh, boyhood. Have you seen boyhood? Ah, oh, no, I really want to watch that. Yeah, it's a great film, yeah. and it's like it's sort of the ultimate coming of age movie because it literally
0: mm. takes place yeah.
1: over the course of this boy's life. Um, Little Miss Sunshine, which you talked about in another top five. Oh. Yeah, of
0: course. <laughs>
1: um, eighth grade. Have you seen eighth grade?
0: No, I really would like to watch it. Yeah, Bo Burnham's it.
1: film. It's it's a cool movie. It's 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 almost like if there's a spectrum where EZA is at one side, and then in the middle is The Edge of Seventeen, where it's a bit pricklier but still a bit glossy. Eighth Grade is like the other yeah. end of that spectrum, where it's just really, really like quite intense. Yeah, it's a it's a good Ooh. movie. But it's not, easy. it's not an easy movie to love, I found, but it is good. Hmm. Um, the Edge of Seventeen, which was on your list. The Duff, which you put in your um, honorable mentions as well. Almost Famous. Have you seen that film?
0: Oh! Yes. Yeah, The of Cameron Crowe. Almost famous. Yeah, it's yeah. a great film. Great film.
1: Uh, Scott Pilgrim versus the World, which I had in my romantic comedies, yeah. but you can also ah, call it a, a coming of yes. age. Uh, Raw, the French um, ah, veterinary yeah. film uh, that I will always mention whenever possible because it's one of my favorite films <laughs> of all time and it's the absolute best. It's yeah. definitely a coming of age film. Uh, mean Girls, which you mentioned. Uh, Lady Bird, the the um, Greta Gerwig film. Yes.
0: Yeah. It was yeah, such a good about
1: film. Yeah. Ten things I hate about, ten things I hate about you, which you mentioned. Yeah. Superbad, which you mentioned, and then Blockers, which is like a parents coming of age film.
0: Yeah. And it's yes. it's really good. Blockers. Film. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Mm, so right. there you go. Though that's my mentions. Um Time to set homework for each other. I think I can already predict where this is going.
0: Well, if yeah, I think the only one you haven't watched is your ballo da Sola or. Stealing Beauty. Stealing
1: Beauty, and then therefore you need to watch uh, Call Me by Your Name. Call Me by Your
0: Name. Yeah. Call Me by Your Name. And just put
1: aside Call the fact that Army Hammer's a weird cannibal guy, and just watch. It. Oh yeah, yeah. It's <laughs> yeah. a film.
0: I just love the fact that his name is like Ham Ham Hammy Hammer 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 Hammer. Yeah,
1: it's strange, but <laughs> but that's because he's like he's like the heir to like the Hammer um and Tongue. like the he's like the heir to like a big company. I I think. Oh wow. Yeah, he'll be fine. It doesn't matter if he doesn't work again. He's he's comes from he comes from big money, so great. Um That's okay. do you have a recommendation for people to uh go away from and look up with your culture catch up?
0: So I would recommend uh Marina's new album, which is called Ancient Dreams in a Modern Land.
1: Ancient Dreams in a Modern Land. Lovely.
0: And the others, if you know you know. Yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh, I'd recommend people, if they can, go and check out the film in the Earth, uh, the, the new Ben Wheatley film. It's uh it's a blast, it's really, really good. Um so yeah, there we go. That's been that's been us uh discussing culture on culture bucket again. Um join us next time please for, we're going to be doing another director special uh this time diving into the filmography of uh Quentin Tarantino one of the premier film directors of all time so we'll see how closely mine and Alex's lists match um next week uh, so please do join us for that uh, to talk about one of the greatest filmmakers and most uh frustrating filmmakers of all time <laughs> With, uh, with uh, good old Quentin. Please check us out on social media all over the world. Uh, you can find us on all the social media places, particularly Instagram. Um, there are links to all of our social media channels in the uh, show notes for this episode, along with links to everything we've discussed in Culture Catch-Up and... Um, yeah, go and have a look as uh, there I've been posting some film reviews on our Instagram recently, and uh, yeah. we post recommendations on there and other things. So uh, go and have a look. Follow us, join in the conversation, and uh, yeah, thank you so much. Love you so much. Bye 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 bye, you. Bye, you, bye 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 bye. Thank you. Thank you. Bye.